and we saw that Jesus is currently a reigning king. He's, we don't have to wait for his kingdom. He's sitting on his throne. He is a warrior king fighting against his enemies. Sometimes it may not look like it, but we saw the ways in which he certainly is doing that. And he is a victorious king who is invincibly building his church so that even the gates of Hades cannot prevail against it. In fact, often using his very enemies, uh, their fight against his kingdom, turning it around so that it actually advances his kingdom. Very, very encouraging phrase. I think today's phrase is, is just as encouraging. We're going to switch gears and we're going to be seeing how this exalted king is humbling himself to be a shepherd. It's Psalm 23, and we're going to be uh, taking a series through this. I don't know how fast or how uh, long it will take, but um, I think it's important to realize that a shepherd is as far removed from a king as you could get. If you were a poor person and you were applying for jobs, uh, you might apply for the job of a shepherd if you were really hard up. Uh, you wouldn't apply for the job of a king. And a king usually would not even think of becoming a shepherd. But like David, like King David, Jesus, our king, is both. Uh, the psalm begins with the amazing words, the Lord is my shepherd. And I want you to notice that the word Lord is in all capital letters. Uh, anytime that happens in the New King James Version, it's uh, a reference to the name Yahweh. And Yahweh is God's uh, covenant name. So the first point is really God's covenant with us. And the reason that uh, theologians, there's many reasons why theologians believe Yahweh is God's covenant name. I'm just going to give you one. The first time that this name Yahweh occurs in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 2. And it's uh, when God begins to articulate all of the details of the covenant that he is making with his now finished uh, creation. He, first of all, doesn't just speak Adam into existence. Uh, he very carefully forms Adam and breathes into Adam the breath of life. And he models to Adam how to make a garden. He puts Adam into that garden. He gives him covenant instructions. He makes a wife for him, etc., etc. So in Genesis chapter 1, you have Elohim, the Almighty God, in chapter 2, you have Yahweh Elohim. It's the Almighty God who has come into covenant uh, with uh, His uh, people and who has committed Himself in a covenant relationship. And so the first point is the amazing truth of covenant. Uh, we are shortly going to be celebrating the Lord's table, and I think we ought to be amazed that God would be willing to be in covenant with His creation. Uh, the second point deals with the amazing contrast between the exalted nature of God, His sovereignty, and uh, the humility that He shows, His lowliness of shepherding. So He's not just the exalted Almighty Elohim. Uh, he is also the close personal Yahweh who is in covenant with, him, uh, with His people and with His creation. So this is not like deism where God creates everything, sort of like he makes a clock, he winds it up, and then he takes off and lets it take care of itself. Now, this is a God who is constantly in contact with his creation. He cares for his creation. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. There are so many ways in which he is in close, close relationship and sustaining his, uh, his, um, uh, his creation and is in covenant with it. So think of it this way. If you're too big for your britches, uh, think about the name Elohim and meditate on all that is involved in that name and you will be humbled. 
On the other hand, if you feel so lowly, so unworthy, you think God wouldn't even care about a worm like me, then think about the name Yahweh and how God was in covenant uh, with his creation and sustains his creation like worms and jellyfish and stinky sheep and humans. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, the exalted Lord who breathed the universe into existence has humbled himself so much that he is willing to take on the job of watching messy sheep, feeding them, protecting them from wolves, and actually protecting them from themselves uh, in many ways. Uh, he's willing to take wounded sheep into the pen and administer medicine to them and involve himself in all of the unclean work of shepherding stinky sheep. Okay, that's what this is about. The words Yahweh and shepherd, those two together are really amazing when you consider them deeply. But so is the little word my, and this is the third point, the personal interest that this shepherd has in me and in each one of you. Uh, God doesn't say just that he is the shepherd of Israel. Now that's true, and that's a wonderful thing in its own right. But he says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Not just our shepherd, my shepherd. Um, the, um, when Jesus makes his covenant pledge uh, to us as the shepherd of the sheep, when we come to the Lord's table here, he does so with individual sheep. Uh, for example, in Revelation 3, he, he indicates even when a church is so dull of hearing that Jesus is upset with them and he's outside the church knocking on the church doors, he says, if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he'll come in and he'll minister to that one individual at the Lord's table. And uh, in fact, I'll just go ahead and read that verse. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And that's what the shepherd of our psalm does for David in verse 5. He personally invites David to his table. Uh, David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so when we come to the Lord's table, yes, we are coming as a church, and we are coming as families, but we are also coming as individuals. Jesus is a personal shepherd. John 10, verse 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And... Uh, that's in part what we're going to be doing when we come to the Lord's table because he's committing himself to being our shepherd, but we are committing ourselves to listening to his voice and following Jesus wherever he might uh, lead us. And uh, that chapter also says that Jesus knows each one of his sheep by name. He knows about all of their needs. And it's on that basis that the next phrase in verse 1 says, I shall not want. And we'll look at that next week, uh, Lord willing. But as you come to the Lord's table this morning, I just want you to thank God that you are his sheep. That first of all, he's made a covenant with you. And secondly, that the almighty Elohim who breathed the worlds into existence is also very close to you as Yahweh. And thirdly, that he cares about every one of your needs, every one of you uh, individually. In uh, John 6, verse 39, Jesus promised, now this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose one person of everyone he has given me, but raise them all up at the last day.
And so hopefully as you come to the Lord's table this morning, uh, you will have a, a new appreciation of really what an amazing thing it is uh, for such an exalted God uh, to be willing to be in covenant with such lowly sheep as we are and to shepherd us. And so let's bless him. Father God, we do bless you for reminding us of the incredible sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, your own sacrifice in giving your son. And Holy Spirit, the sacrifice you daily make as you apply redemption into the lives of sheep who want to run this way and that way and are not always following your voice. Help us, Father, to be sheep who hear your voice and follow you. And as we commit ourselves to striving toward that goal, we pray that you would give us grace to be able to achieve that. To that end, I pray that you would set aside these common elements to a holy use and you would be glorified in our partaking. In Jesus' name. Amen.